0: So, I need your help, okay? Will you help me for just a second? I need each one of you to grab one of those boxes. Grab one of them and let's carry them up here on the platform, okay? Bring them up here. And let's build a wall, okay? And let's do it back here, kind of around this way, okay? So, take the big boxes and put them down first, like right there. Okay, yep, that's a big one. Put it down there, Emma. all right, all right, let's put this one right here, okay, is there another big one? yep, there's one. let me have that one. Let's put it right here, kind of like that. Let's pretend okay, let's just well, we're gonna have to pretend a little bit, all right, we're gonna pretend that we're building like the wall of a fort, okay, now we're not gonna surround ourselves, but pretend we're building the wall of a fort or a castle, okay, so Put the rest of them on there like you would if you were going to build a wall, all right? Just wherever you think best. While they're doing that, any of you parents have a problem with them getting a blueberry? I just want to make sure, okay? Huh? Organic Organic blueberries. Anybody have a problem with organic blueberries? Good. Just want to make sure. Did you get them? Yeah, just wherever you think. All right. Does those look pretty good to you guys? Okay, all right, well, let's sit down. Okay, I'm going to sit back up here against the wall. You can turn around and look at me, all right? All right, come here. All right, who wants a blueberry? (laughs) I had a feeling you would. Okay. You want one? Here, just, just grab them. You're going to be all right. You guys have been together for five weeks. I'm not too worried about it. No, just one. Just one. I don't know why the girls were last. We started over here with the ugly guys. Yeah, grab one. What do you think? Taste them. Huh? What do you think? I'm pretty good. No, I mean, they're not pretty good. They're really good, aren't they? There are some little seeds in them, but these are really, really good. So, yes, I was, I was picking blueberries at this blueberry place. And there was a family there picking blueberries on the other side of the, of the place where all the blueberry bushes were. And it came time. This was a dad, and he had three kids with him. He had one little child in his arm. He had two more kind of following along behind him, and they were picking blueberries, all right? And they were kind of doing like I was doing, I'm pretty sure. They'd pick one and put it in a bucket, and they'd pick another one and eat it. And then they'd pick two and eat them, and then they'd pick one and put them in a bucket, all right? I mean, I ate way more blueberries than I put in my bucket, and I know they did, too. So it came time for that family to leave, I couldn't see them, but I heard the dad say, come on, it's time to go. We've got enough blueberries, all right? So he's carrying one. The older one is with him, and there's another one kind of lagging behind. And I only know this because the dad said, and I'm going to call her Susie. That wasn't her name, but I'm going to call her Susie. Susie, come on, it's time to go. And in a couple of minutes, I heard, Susie, come on, it's time to go. No more blueberries. Oh, wait a minute. And then he said it again. Susie, it's time to go. And then her little, her sister, her older sister chimed in and says, it's time to go. Come on. So everybody's telling her it's time to go. And and she was still just, oh, well, there's, there's just a couple more blueberries here, you know. Now, these are sweet, right? Huh? Are they good? Yeah. I mean, if I had the chance to stand there and just keep peeking blueberries... I can understand how it would be hard to leave them behind. Couldn't you? I mean, if you're standing there with a the bush loaded with those blueberries and you're just shoving them in, and it comes time to go, I can understand why it might be hard to to do it. And finally, I heard Dad say, Susie, take your eyes off of the blueberries and put them on the car. Look at the car. Because... Sometimes what we look at captures all of our attention, right? And sometimes what we're looking at can even capture our hearts and cause us to maybe not do some of the things we ought to do, okay? So eventually I think Susie got to the car because I heard the car start and they left and I didn't see any little girls running around the blueberry patch by themselves, okay? So, so I guess she got home okay. So... The verse that we got to in Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and remember we've been talking about what our homes ought to look like, what our marriages ought to look like, what it looks like to be a godly dad and a godly mom, a godly husband. So today we're talking about kids, all right? And it says in Ephesians, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So what do you think obedience is? How would you define obey? Come on, tell me. What do you think? Do what you're told, okay? Anything else? Would you add anything to that? Come on, you guys, I've been listening to you talk for five weeks. Now's not the time to get quiet on me. When someone asks you to do something, it All right, do it, do it thoroughly when someone asks you to do something, all right? That's pretty good. So let's think about this for just a second. Do what? Listen to the parents when they tell you to do something. something. Very good. So let's pretend for just a minute that this wall is all around us. And on the inside of the wall, we are safe. We're protected. We're taken care of. On the inside of the wall, our hearts are happy. And things are the way they ought to be. And on the outside of the wall, things are pretty rough. They're dangerous. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of heartache. There's monsters and stuff that can get us. And I'm just kidding. But there's things back there. There's things on the outside that are really, really dangerous. Okay? Okay? Exactly, like when there's a wolf outside, but you're safe on the inside with the door locked, okay? So this wall of protection, this circle of, of blocks is like a a place of blessing, okay? I say that because in Ephesians it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then it says, Honor your parents. And he makes some promises, God does, that if we will honor our parents, he says things will go well for us. Things are going to go better for us than they would if we didn't obey, okay? And it means more than just not getting punished. It means being in a place of safety. So this wall that God has built, let's pretend that one of these blocks, this place of safety is Jesus. Let's pretend that one of them might be God's word. Let's pretend that one of them, what else else would God give us that protects us and that keeps us safe? Okay, worship in the church. Okay, he gives us a church. That's good. What else? Huh? A shield. He gives us a shield. So what? Huh? Before we getting ready, say. Okay, praying. Yeah, so reading the Word and praying, being with God's people. He gives us our parents. All of these things are God gives, God gives us to build a wall of safety around us. And as long as we're obeying God, oh, wait a minute. I've been talking about obeying parents. Where'd that come from, obeying God? When it says in Ephesians 6, 1, Obey your parents as unto the Lord or like you would God. Did you ever think sometimes that our parents, the authorities that God has given us, they're there because God put them there, and they really represent God in a way, okay? See, God doesn't have hands and feet and a face, But he's given us our parents, he's given us people over us to take care of us and love us. And when we submit to them, when we obey them, it's just like we would be obeying God. And when we disobey, it's kind of disobeying God, okay? And that puts us outside this place of safety. That means we're out where things are not going to go well for us. Obedience puts us in a place of safety and protection. God takes care of us there. And when we're not obeying, we're putting ourselves in a really bad place, okay? So I'm going to talk to the big kids about this too, okay? Because in one way, all of us are kids. Meaning that all of us have people we have to respond to, we have to submit to. And I don't know about all the rest of these guys out here, but I think it's probably true that all of us, if we have the opportunity, really want to stay at the blueberry bush instead of doing what people would tell us to do, especially if they're sweet and they're easy to get. All of us have a problem obeying and submitting, okay? But Jesus is the one who takes our hearts, and when we do disobey, and when we do decide that we want something for ourselves and not what God would want for us or our parents would want for us, I'm kind of thankful that Jesus is the one who forgives us, gives us the ability to obey, and gives us everything we need so that we're in that place of safety and protection, okay? I'm going to talk some more about that this morning. All right? I don't have enough blueberries for everybody to have one more, so I'm just going to take them home and eat them myself, okay? If you come up to me after church and you hurry and be everybody else here. There might be one for you, but I don't know. We better not do it that way, okay? All right, let me pray for you, and then you guys can go back to your seats, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the safety and protection that we have when we come under your authority. Thank you, God, for those that you've placed over us, moms and dads and grandparents and our church family. Lord, they can teach us and lead us and shepherd our hearts. Father, thank you for Jesus. That when it's hard to obey, when it's hard to, Lord, put others before ourselves, Jesus, you did that better than anyone ever has. Thank you for that. Thank you for being our Savior, our Shepherd, and our King. And I pray you'd be that to each one of these kids. And I pray that in your name. Amen. All right, guys, I love you. Go back to your seats now. Make sure mom and dad behave through the rest of the service, okay? So there's basically three primary sources that are the besides talking to the kids. There's pre three primary sources that I'm going to refer to today. All right. One of them is what you can talk. Well, okay, one of them one of them is in the Bible. That's a, that's a primary source for us. Another primary source is this book right here. By Paul David Tripp called Parenting. There's some copies of it out there on the bookstore. I highly, highly recommend it to you. Okay. I'll quote it a couple of times today. Um, you'll hear more about this from J.T. who's going to preach on parenting next week. He's actually talking to the parents. I'm talking to the kids today. Okay. But I really recommend this book to so you. So two, two of the primary sources are the Bible. This book on parenting, and there's a lot of good resources out there. The other one is a discussion that was held at Goodberries there in Durham last night with my grandchildren. And we talked about obedience, and we talked about honoring. And so I'll talk from the Bible some, I'll refer to trip some, and I'm going to refer to my grandparent, I mean to my grandchildren some too, okay? Because I was pretty impressed with what they had to say. So look at the text with me. Turn to Ephesians. We've been working our way through Ephesians chapter six or five and now getting into chapter six. All of this section goes together. It all relates back, I think, falls kind of under the umbrella, starting in chapter five, verse one, of being an imitator of God, walking in love. That word walk is our lifestyle. So we're to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So we're following the example of Christ. We're to walk carefully, wisely. We're to walk worthily. Remember that? We walk in balance with the profession of our faith. What we say we are and who we are in Christ is balanced out with our lifestyle. Walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. We talk to husbands. We talked to wives, we talked about what it means to live and love in a Christ-like way, to live and love and submit in a Christ-like way. And now today we come to children. And what we're really looking at here is something that the Apostle Paul picks up from other Greek philosophers. Aristotle and others had this idea of what we call a household code. That household code meant that things should go a certain way within a household. They recognized the importance of that because even Aristotle understood that if that household is not what it should be, society will not be what it should be. Right? So if if, if the home is is not where it should be, then nothing else will be as it should be. Well, what Paul does is take that household code, which encompassed everything. Husbands, wives, children, slaves, masters, everybody was a part of that household, okay? We have to envision, if you can, this domestic structure that went intergenerational. Ours are not that way for the most part. It may be that way sometimes, and and that's fairly... You know, I grew up beside my grandmother and spent as much time at her house as I did with my mom and dad. But that's not always the way it is now, okay? But in Paul's day, as it is in much of the world, then mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and children and in-laws and others are all together. So this household code says it's got to go right there. It's got to go in a proper way there or it won't go right anywhere else. And so with that understanding, Paul takes that and just puts it underneath the gospel, puts it underneath the cross. And he says all of this it goes beyond just being a better dad, a better mom, and a better kid. This is not about behavior. This is about the heart. And this is about being submitted to primarily King Jesus and those that he's placed over us. So that's the picture. It says in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Next week, you'll look at verse 4. This week, we're just looking at verses 1, 2, and 3. The early church, unlike the culture around them, had a very high regard for children. They recognized children as a gift. Now, children were not the center of the universe, but they were a gift. They followed and understood, I believe, the teaching of Christ where Jesus says, leave the little children alone and let them come to me because the kingdom of heaven is made up of people like this. He said that in Matthew 18 and 19. And that's what the Old Testament teaches as well, this idea of a household code. Now, values such as this. Recognizing children as the gift that they are and the responsibility that they are was not what that culture of Paul's day understood. Listen to what John Stott says. It was a radical change from the callous cruelty that prevailed in the Roman Empire in which unwanted babies were abandoned, weak and deformed ones were killed, and even healthy children were regarded as many ...as a nuisance because they inhibited sexual promiscuity and complicated easy divorce. In the Roman world, the father had the right to look at that newborn baby and decide if it would live or if it would die. It was totally up to that man to do that. And then along comes Jesus. And along comes this New Testament church. And along comes this new radical lifestyle... "...of imitating the love and the grace and the mercy of God and of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Spirit's power and presence in these lives changed everything. And out of reverence to Christ, they esteemed and reverenced one another and submitted to one another and loved one another as Christ had led them to love one another. It was following the example of Jesus." And so what we recognize is is not only were these children esteemed, but these children were then also, as it tells us in the Old Testament, instructed clearly in what it meant to love God, honor God, reverence God, and obey God. And the way we love, honor, and reverence God is to respect and obey those He places over us in authority, kids. And I mean kids, whether you're 2 or 92. All right? So that's the picture that we have. And this obedience goes beyond behavior. Children, we're called to obey our parents as or in the Lord, for this is right. We're called to honor them, because this is a commandment that comes from the Old Testament, and it comes with a promise, a promise of blessing, that things will go well for us. And so this, remember what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. That it's not about action only. It's about the attitude of the heart. The attitude of the heart. Okay? So we're not looking for our kids to behave correctly. We're looking for them to love God. Love the Lord. Children, that's what it's about. Loving God. And when we love God, we're going to obey Him. And when we obey Him, we're going to obey those that He's put over us, those that He's called us to submit to. And so obedience and honor toward our parents. Kids, it's going to look different when you're little and young than it does when you're my age. But there are still principles that carry through regardless of what our age is. It's going to look different at different stages of life, but these foundational principles hold true, okay? So the first thing, and and I'm not going to steal JT's thunder, is, is that kids, listen to this. When your parents love Jesus, they're going to love you better. Okay? When your parents love Jesus, they're going to love you better. When they have submitted themselves to the authority of Christ and made him the Lord of their lives, then they're going to be in a better place to lead and shepherd and care for you. When mom and dad's hearts and grandma and grandpa, when all the adults hearts have been changed by the gospel of Christ, then those hearts are in a better place and their motivations and their methods and their goals. When your parents have been transformed and changed by Jesus, then that's going to transform and change the way that they parent you, the way that they take care of you. Because kingdom parenting is not about you as kids doing the right thing. It includes that. But gospel parenting shows you that your heart... Yes, I'm sorry parents, but your kid's heart is stained by sin. David said, in sin my mother conceived me. That doesn't mean the act itself was sin. It just means that when I came out of that womb... I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. Parents, will you amen that about your precious little child? Yes, she will. Even if they're sitting beside you and you'll have to deal with it, all right? Kingdom parenting, gospel parenting, recognizes that our kids need a Savior because their hearts are stained and darkened and dead in sin. And recognizing that then adds a whole new dimension to parenting. That if all I'm doing is correcting my child, I'm not showing my child why his heart led him or her to do what little Johnny just did. And that the only fix for a heart is the one who made it. And Jesus is the only one who can fix that heart. And so, yes, gospel parenting's goal is not just to transform behavior, it's to transform sinners into kingdom saints and children by Christ through the grace of God. So the heart is the control center of life, and that's what we want to touch on as parents. And and JT will help you see that more clearly. Parents, spirit-filled parenting recognizes God's grace. Spirit-filled parenting says, my child's not the only one that struggles with obedience. Humble, spirit-filled parenting says, little Johnny, daddy struggles with doing the right thing when he's told to do it as well. And Jesus is the only one that can fix daddy's heart. And Jesus is the only one that can fix your heart. In his book, Paul Tripp says this, in the lives of your children, you are the look of God's face. You are the touch of his hand. You are the tone of his voice. You have been put in your position as parent to display before your children how beautiful, wise, patient, guiding, protective, rescuing, and forgiving God's authority is. Kids, when your mommy and daddy love Jesus, they're going to love you better. So mom and dad, my invitation to you today is to be sure that Jesus is on the throne of your heart. And that your deepest, deepest desire is to see your children grow up to love him with all their hearts the world will entice you with its blueberries. They will look sweet. They will be abundant. You can pick them by the handful. But sooner or later in the life of your child, those berries are going to rot. Lead your child to love Jesus. Secondly, children... Obey your parents, Paul says, the Bible says, in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents as you would Jesus himself. Okay? Obey your parents as you would the Lord. So what is obedience? I ask the kids what obedience is, okay? Now, in his book, Ted Tripp says, "...it is the willing submission of one person to the authority of another." It means more than a child doing what he or she is told to do. It means doing what he is told without challenge, without excuse, without delay, and I might add, with a a cheerful heart. So it's the willing submission of my heart to the authorities that God has placed in my life. Now, thinking about that definition of obedience, and thinking about what it says here, That we're to obey our parents. And, And the word literally means to listen under. It comes from two words that mean to listen and to do so from a position of underneath. So my ears are open up, if you will, to that instruction that's coming down. So this heart obedience, and that's what it is, it's heart obedience is not just behavior change, it, it is done with a cheerful heart. It is done out of a motivation of love. It is done because that correction or that discipline or that instruction comes from the fountain of love. And that's the motive behind all of this. And Paul says it's right, and I think what he means there is that throughout all cultures, throughout all times, given this term, if you will, natural law, this is the right thing to do in, in most every culture. I think in all cultures. I mean, I've been around the world. And children are still called to obey mom and dad. All right? So it's, it's the right thing to do. But it is also the godly thing to do. And by that, notice what the text says. The scriptures take this to a whole new level. It's a whole deeper understanding because Paul then refers to the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, he goes to the list. And he goes to the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and mother, it says. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, Paul Paul does what Paul as as an apostle under the leadership of the Holy Spirit can do, which gives it a different nuance in the New Testament than it does in the Old. But this promise that it would go well with you and that you may live long in the land, it was a promise to the Israelites that they would be in the promised land for a long time doing well. But understanding that from a New Testament covenant perspective, it means that life is going to go well for us within this. It is the godly thing to do. God puts it on the level. Well, listen, this is, this is almost hard for us to fathom. But in the Old Testament, understanding a rebellious son was not just an affront, if you will, to a family. It was that to God himself. And to the structures that God had put in place, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, a rebellious and disobedient son is to be brought before the elders of the city if the parents can't do anything with him, and it's the elders' decision to determine what to be done, and if that rebellious son continues to be rebellious, it's a capital offense in the Old Testament. In Romans chapter one, listen to what Paul says. He's talking about this ungodliness that's around us, this just debased mind that has rejected God completely. And he says in Romans chapter one, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, (laughs) inventors of evil. My goodness, Paul. You're going way outside the bounds of safety here. Listen to what comes next. Disobedient to parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. So we understand that rebellion and disobedience to parents, disobedience to those authorities that God has puts over us is a picture of decadence in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's a picture of God giving us over to a debased mind. And so to dishonor and disobey parents... However, naturally that comes to children is not what God desires. And believe us, and, and believe me, guys, it is natural to children because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all rampant rebels from the sweetest little baby till it seems we have no control over our minds. We need a Savior. And obedience... Is the way we recognize and respond to this good, gracious, loving God. We just talked about obedience last night when we were at Goodberry's, okay? I just asked the kids, guys, let's talk about obedience and what it means to honor mom and dad. Now, Larkin's response to disobedience is so we talked about what obedience is. What happens when you don't obey? Well, Larkin said, you get a whooping. You get a whooping. Uh, Yeah, I understand Lark thinking about it that way. Ellie and Jane, much wiser. Probably at this stage a whole lot smarter. No, probably about it. Uh, I I was so impressed with what Ellie said. Ellie said, it's the best thing to do. Not because we won't get a whooping. No, it's the best thing to do. Because it keeps us from harm. It keeps us out of danger. Here's here's what she said, and she texted this to Susan, okay? So I'm I'm quoting. They know what is best for us, even when we don't agree. It's a blessing in many ways. As children, we we get to have an authority that will make the ultimate decisions in many situations and teach us how to make wise choices when we're on our own. God has put them in our lives for a reason. So we should learn from them and listen to them. So not only is it... Obedience is the best thing to do because God gives us this promise of blessing. It keeps us out of harm. It keeps us in the circle of safety, the circle of blessing. Outside of that, we're in harm's way. It keeps us out of danger. Obedience also helps us avoid bad habits. And I might add bad friends that tend to ruin our lives and very literally shorten us. Now you understand that this promise of long life does not mean that every obedient child is going to live a long life. We understand that that's not the case, right? This is a principle. I don't think it's a promise. It's not a prosperity promise. It's a principle. And the principle here is that as we walk with Christ in obedience to Him, submitting ourselves to our parents and submitting ourselves to those He's put in authority over us, that we are then avoiding the dangerous places that can ruin and indeed shorten life. It says in 1 Corinthians 15:33, "Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals." So, obedience helps us avoid those bad habits. Not just avoid the bad habits, but obedience builds up in us the healthy characteristics and character traits that are going to promote healthy living. They're going to promote living within that circle of blessing, that circle of blessing. And, and whereas disobedience, listen, disobedience, we're born with it. And we don't naturally grow out of it. All right? Listen, kids, if you're 14 and, and there's a rebellious spirit going on inside of you right now, that rebellious spirit started when you were about four days old. All right? and, and again, parents, if you don't begin to address that when they're four days old, then you may have some issues when they're 14. And you can begin to address it when they're four days old. Believe me, you can. And so obedience helps us begin to develop these healthy characteristic traits. I think it's what Proverbs talks about, about iron sharpening iron. Now, I know that's most often used in the context of adults and men and how one man sharpens another, and that's absolutely true. But these lessons that we learn as we begin to learn what it means to submit and obey and put ourselves under the authority of others, listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4. Turn over to Proverbs 4 and just follow along with me as I read a little bit of this. This idea that obedience teaches us wisdom Helps us insulate ourselves and put ourselves among a good, healthy peer group. Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Look at verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of righteousness is like the light of the dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know over what they stumble. So in the book of Ephesians, we've been given over and over this picture of walking in the light and not in the darkness. Here the writer of Proverbs says, those we hang around are either going to lead us into the light or lead us into the darkness. I know I sound like just an old goofball to some of you as I say that, But that's the reality of Scripture and that's the reality of life. Verse 20, Be attentive to my words, Son. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them escape from your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. There's this picture. Proverbs 10 says, Fear of the Lord prolongs life and the years of the wicked are short. So there's a corollary between the character and the length and the depth of the blessing that come to those who are walking in submission and obedience and to those who aren't. That's the picture that Scripture gives us. And then finally it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And again, this is echoing from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Honor. Honor. What does that mean? Well, the word carries the idea of weight, of weightiness, okay? Of substance. Honor means respect, all right? That's Ellie's definition. Honor means respect. Honoring your parents, honoring those who are over us, means to treat them with respect and esteem. Because they are there as God's given representatives of that authority. They carry the authority of God. Okay? I'm going to quote Ellie one more time, and this will be the last time. Honoring your parents is different than obedience. I think that the most important thing about honoring my parents at my age specifically would be to carefully think about what they have to say. It's very easy to dismiss their opinions... And that should not happen. Honor means respect. Treating your parents as adults who have lived through all that you're going through and probably know a lot more than you think. Even when we think we're right and that they just don't get it, they still deserve our obedience and respect as the parents God has given us. So obedience is non-negotiable as a child. Touch on that next week, JT. You hear that, parents? It is non-negotiable as a child. But as our children age and as they enter into different seasons of life, if you look at it on a scale where authority at a young age is way up here and influence, I'm not trying to influence my children so much when they're three as I am trying to just shepherd their heart to Christ, but as they grow, as they age, that influence goes up as authority, in a way, begins to take a lesser significant place. Still authority, but that authority is being exhibited then not so much in obedience and discipline as it is in influence and direction. You understand? And so... Obedience to parents is a duty that is comprehensive, but it's going to look different as that relationship changes, as those seasons of life change. And our responsibilities under our parents change. Our responsibilities to our parents to honor them never changes. Never changes. Okay? The Bible has much to say about caring for elderly parents. And for caring for family members who are not able to care for themselves. And in the early church, the early church was social services. Okay? The early church was social services. The early church was extended care. The early church was rehab. The early church was convalescent center. The early church was the rest home. It was all of those things. And so Christians who had family members... Who were in need were expected to meet those needs. Listen to what Paul says in First Timothy. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. Later on, he says, command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. Verse 8 says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, Paul puts a lot of weight and responsibility on us as big grown kids to take care and honor our parents. And I know that's going to look different in cultures and societies and settings and even within families. But understand this, that Honoring our parents requires sacrifice. The older they become, it requires sacrifice. And listen, gospel parenting is not an add on to everything else that you're doing. And gospel honoring of your parents is not an add on to everything else that you're doing. It is a gospel priority, it requires sacrifice. It can be inconvenient, it is sometimes difficult. But it is always receiving the promise in the long run of God's blessing. It is rewarded by God. Now, unfortunately, caring for our parents and honoring them is not something that everyone's willing to do. I'm just being frank with you. It's not something that everyone is willing to do. It's an obligation that some are unwilling to accept. And that obligation is going to flesh itself out differently, it's going to look differently in different families. But aging parents, quite frankly, guys, can be a blessing, excuse me, can be a burden. But it is also a blessing. It is a blessing. We're often quick to forget the sacrifices that our parents have made for us. And the Bible calls us to remember that. And the Bible calls us to recognize and honor them for the wisdom that they have acquired over the years, even when we want to discredit it as being outdated. I mean, I had a situation a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted more than anything to pick up the phone and call Dad. I just want to know what he would have thought about it. My sisters call me all the time because Dad's gone. And they look to me in some ways, I think, as the one who is his replacement. I believe they're honoring Dad even in that. So when we honor and care for our parents, we are honoring and serving God as well. How do we do this? Okay, I, I just want to touch on this for one second. How do we honor our parents as, as they age? First thing, be prepared. Be prepared. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You know, unless they die quickly or you die quickly, it's coming. So think and talk about it now within your family. Involve others within your family in that conversation. Be prepared. Secondly, be humble. Okay? Be humble and seek the wisdom and counsel of others. Our church is full of people who have been through this. And some are going through it now. And part of being the body of Christ means that we walk with one another through these seasons of life. Come and talk to somebody about it. There's no reason to be surprised by this. It's going to happen. So, be prepared. Be humble and be loving and tender-hearted honor the dignity of that senior saint respect their independence all right one of the things that the girl said last night is that honoring somebody means you respect what they have to think you actually care about what they have to say and you give attention to that okay you give attention to it listen honoring that honoring that senior honoring mom or dad even if they're going through the twilight of the darkness of that mind, means you're not rebuking them for repeating themselves? You're not arguing with them when they're talking about speaking with dad in the room who's been dead for twenty years. That's not going to accomplish anything except frustration. You're just loving them. Okay, Mom, I'm glad you got to see Dad. I'm glad, Mom. You know, I'm glad you got to go to the shopping center, even though you haven't left that bed in a month. See, there's no point in arguing. honoring them is to just come along beside them and love them, to be gracious and forgiving. I know some of you are thinking, you've got no idea, Gerald, what that guy did to me. You have no idea how she treated me. Here's what I do know about that. I do know that God in Christ has forgiven us. And that same forgiveness and grace that he has extended to us, we are extended to others. And Jesus went so far in Matthew 6 as to say, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Your hardened heart toward him or her is indication of your hardened heart that has not received the forgiveness of God. I'm just telling you. It's essential that, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, we let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from us. And we're tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. That's what this looks like. Forgiveness and grace. Mercy and compassion. The same way God has extended those to us. Honor your father and mother. And your life will be blessed. And God's promises will be completed. So kids, you need Jesus, okay? Jesus is your perfect parent. He's the power to say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, when you're told to do something. And he's the one who forgives your heart. He's the one who gives you a new heart that wants to obey and is pleased and seeking to, to do that. Teenagers. Are some of you ready to stop playing the game and ready to take Jesus as your own? Are you ready to have the new life that Christ offers you and stop playing the game with your friends? Are you ready to step up to the plate and take this faith as your own and not just as mom and dad's anymore? That's where you're going to find that that's where you're going to find who you were intended to be, who God created you to be. And big kids like me, you have a gift. If it's not your own mom and dad, it is the, it is the senior saints of this church whom you can come along beside and honor and love and esteem and care for and know then, even in them, this blessing that God promises us. Of a countercultural, Christ-exalting care and compassion for each other. Our world is hungry for that. It's hungry for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can know you as Father. That you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That not only we'd be holy and blameless, but we'd be adopted into your family of faith, Lord, by grace. Thank you for that. And Father, I pray today for every kid in this room. And that's all of us. I pray that every single one of us, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, would humble ourselves before you. Submit ourselves to you. And with a cheerful heart, be ready to walk in the ways that you've called us to walk. And that, God, we would do that in submission and in obedience to those that you've placed over us. Bless our children, Lord. Bless us as adults that we can shepherd their little hearts to Christ, that we can shepherd their older hearts to Christ, and that Christ Jesus, you'll take those hearts and you'll begin to conform them and transform them into your very likeness. And we pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. I'll be down here to pray with you, encourage you, receive you in any way that I can. This song that we sing is a prayer lifted up that way.